0: God's always on the move, isn't he? Always working, always talking, always saying, what about this, what about that, what about this, what about that, what about that, what about this, what about that? What's in your box that shouldn't be there? What do you want to take? What do you want to lay down? God's always speaking. I'm not sure I'm always listening,
1: (laughs) but God is always speaking. Yeah.
0: We're going to carry on our series this morning, and uh, yeah, we're looking at... um, Everyday Supernatural, that's a series that we're looking at, and uh, I'm looking at being filled with the Holy Spirit this morning, so uh, I'm excited about talking about the Holy Spirit, I love talking about the Holy Spirit, Uh, I didn't used to know much about the Holy Spirit, now I think I know a little bit about the Holy Spirit, I'm sure there's loads more to go that I don't know, because the Holy Spirit's part of God and he's massive and huge and wonderful and amazing, that's what I think anyway, I could end the sermon there, can't I? Thanks very much Dale, can we go and have lunch now? Jesus said this, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and will come to them and make our home with them. Pretty amazing. Paul said this, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? That's pretty amazing as well. See, to become a Christian, to be a Christian, it's not about following a, you know, a set of beliefs. It's not about ticking a box. Uh, when I, you know, What religion are you? I'm. It's nothing to do with that. It is about entering into this relationship with the living God. And as we do that, so God pours his Holy Spirit into us. Every Christian, the moment they get saved, has the Holy Spirit living inside of them. It's one of the things that happens the very moment you give your life to Jesus. You are forgiven, you are saved, you are adopted, and the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. For me, I was 14 when I gave my life to Jesus, and right there, from that moment, I had the Holy Spirit living inside of me. Truth was, I didn't know much about the Holy Spirit. I was a 14 year old boy, I didn't know much about anything, though I probably thought I knew a whole load of stuff about a whole load of things. But I knew this I had genuinely given my life to Jesus, and based on His promise, I knew that I had received salvation. And as part of that salvation, I knew that the Holy Spirit had come to live inside of me. And if if you're not sure this morning, if you are a Christian, has the Holy Spirit come to live inside of me? Then there are actually a couple of tests that you can do. A couple of things the Bible helpfully gives us. The first one is you can test by what you believe. Because it says this in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 3. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. It's not possible to say and mean from your heart, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. I mean, anyone can say it, but not everyone can say it and mean it. And you can't say it and not mean it and think you can fool God. Are you with me? You, you can't fool God. He sees right into our minds, right into our hearts. So the only way that you can say and mean Jesus is my Lord is if the Holy Spirit enables you to say it. Because it's the job of the Holy Spirit to lead people to Jesus. And therefore, just that simple acknowledgement That Jesus is your Lord and Savior is actually evidence that the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. And you only get the Holy Spirit living inside of you if Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Are you with me? That's actually very good news. That's very good news right there. But there is a second test that you can kind of do, which is around what you desire. Because another sign of the Holy Spirit being at work and living in us is that our desires change. We begin to desire what he desires. So Romans 8 verse 5, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. Now notice, it doesn't say that you're going to become perfect. It doesn't even say that we'll instantly know what the spirit desires but we start to have a taste for the things that he desires we we have less of an appetite for the things that he doesn't desire the holy spirit wants to glorify jesus and in our lives we start to want to glorify jesus the holy spirit wants to deal with sin in our lives those things that we do and say and think that are not pleasing to God. The Holy Spirit wants to deal with those. And suddenly we start to become aware that we now start to feel uncomfortable about them. There are some things that make us feel uncomfortable, whether it's what we say, whether it's what we do, whether it's what we think. And that, which is a conviction of sin, that feeling uncomfortable, that there's something to deal with in our lives that God's not happy with, is actually another pretty good proof that we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us because he's the one who does that convicting. His desire is that we look outwards, we look for other people. Yet we know that left on our own, we look inward, we look out for ourselves. And our desire for those things may ebb or flow over time. They may at times come easy, they may at other times come difficult. But if there is that gut level desire, that's a result of the Holy Spirit living inside of you and me and working in our lives. So I believe with all my heart that all Christians have the Holy Spirit living inside of them as promised by God, received upon salvation, wonderful and amazing, part of the Trinity has come to live inside you and me if you are A Christian. But that's not the end of the story. It was never intended to be the end of the story. It's actually just the beginning of the story. Because whilst all Christians have the Holy Spirit, there is actually more to experience. And I'm a living proof of this. I'll tell you a little bit of my story about the Holy Spirit a little bit later. And I use that word experience deliberately. Because actually, when the Holy Spirit is poured out and we read this through the pages of our New Testament in the book of Acts, it's really obvious. It's really clear. People know they've received the Holy Spirit, that the effect that he makes is obvious. I think I put these in your notes. I just listed a few of them. I'll read some of them to you. Things like they begin to speak in tongues. They're they're enabled to pray and worship God in a spiritual language that they haven't learned. I hated learning languages at school. I spent five years learning French and I could say hello and goodbye badly. I hated learning languages. But when God filled me with his spirit and gave me the gift of tongues, I could praise him in a language that I never had to learn. How amazing is that? I've never read a, a, a speaking in tongues book. It's brilliant. I haven't had to repeat back. Oh, bonjour, monsieur. Je voudrais une drink, merci. Never had to do that. God gave me the gift. And guess what? I could open my mouth and speak in a language that I knew the essence of what I was saying, but I didn't have to try and form the words or remember. Le, la, on, i, on. Didn't have to do any of that. Let me read one of those to you. Speaking in tongues. Uh, acts 19 verse 6 let me read this one to you we'll read a few of these verses i don't know if i put these in your i think i put the quotes the verses in your notes so you can always look at them at another time but acts 19 verse 6 says this when paul placed his hands on them the holy spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied that's great isn't it didn't study for three years Supernaturally, placed his hands. Holy Spirit came. They were able to do that. Here's another one. Praise Acts ten verse forty six. Let me just read that one for you.
1: Acts ten verse forty six says this. Then Peter for they another.
0: The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And there are other ones we see in Acts, praising, prophesying, extraordinary boldness for witnessing, obedience, signs and miracles. I put the, the verses there in your notes. But the point is that they experienced something of God when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, And that was obvious and clear. And they were able to do some supernatural things that they weren't able to do previously. Have a look through the book of Acts, you'll see it. The Holy Spirit repeatedly filled the first disciples. You see, they first received the Holy Spirit when Jesus breathed on them in John 10, verse 21. Let me read that one to you. John 10, verse 21 and 22.
1: John 20, not John 10.
0: Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus told them, go wait in Jerusalem because the Holy Spirit is going to come on you. And then on the day of Pentecost, that which they were waiting for, the Holy Spirit, was poured out. And the Bible says that they were all filled and they begin to praise God. Let's just read that one. Acts 2, verse 1 to 4. Very well-known verses. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or other languages as the Spirit enabled them. And then you go through Acts 4, they gather and pray and the place where they gathered is shaken and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says they go out and speak the word of God boldly. And then in Ephesians 5, verse 18, Paul tells them, don't get drunk on wine because that leads to debauchery, but go on being filled with the Holy Spirit because that's going to lead to righteousness and wonderful. Don't get drunk on wine, that leads to stupid things. Get drunk on the Holy Spirit, that will lead to good and amazing things, is in essence what Paul says to them. Like the disciples, he wanted them to go on being filled filled, to go on experiencing more and more of God's love, more and more of God's Holy Spirit. He knew that in their life and in our lives, the new adventures, the new challenges, whatever the difficulties come, whatever new opportunities, they're all going to require knowing more of God, going deeper with him, being filled afresh with his Holy Spirit. If Jesus' first disciples needed to be regularly filled with the Spirit, then surely we need to be regularly filled with the Holy Spirit. So how can we receive more of the Holy Spirit? I just want to give you three simple steps this morning. Accept, ask, and trust. So accept the gift. I don't mind whatever terminology you prefer in terms of receiving the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes people talk about receiving the Holy Spirit, experiencing the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't mind whatever terminology you are more comfortable with. But whatever it is, I want you to know that it's a gift. There's nothing that you and I can do to earn it. The Holy Spirit is God's gift. Free gift to us, paid for by Jesus. And that means, therefore, that when God pours out His Holy Spirit, it really has nothing to do with our qualities or our achievements. When it comes to the question of merit and being worthy enough, the only one whose merits matter is Jesus. He's the only one whose merits matter. See, on the cross, Actually, there were two undeserved gifts that Jesus was securing, as it were, for us. The first one was the forgiveness of sins. The second one was the gift of the Holy Spirit. They actually go hand in hand. They're both part of what Jesus paid for us, earned for us on the cross. It's why Peter says this on the day of Pentecost. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the re- forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. These two go together in terms of salvation, forgiveness of sins, and you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. We did nothing to earn our forgiveness, it was just a case of accepting what Jesus has done, and actually. We can do nothing in terms of receiving the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. He's been made available to us. We can't earn or work or buy or barter with God. To either receive his Holy Spirit for the first time or to be filled with his Spirit for the second, third, fourth, fifth, tenth, a hundredth time. We come and receive the gift. That God has for us. That Jesus obtained for us.
1: So the first thing we have to do is accept the gift. And sometimes I struggle with that. I I, I like to
0: earn things. I, I like to feel like I've contributed. But I don't think God will have that. I think the first time he gave me his Holy Spirit and every time thereafter, at root, it's a gift. That Jesus paid for that my father gives me second one is to ask for the gift G- jesus said in john seven thirty seven that anyone who was thirsty should come to him and drink let me just remind you of that john 7 verse 37 On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Spirit. In Luke 11, he tells us, I'll seek, and knock. Again, a very famous passage. So I say to you, Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. God doesn't charge us for the Holy Spirit, but he does want to give the Holy Spirit to those who are eager to receive the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes this eagerness comes from an awareness of our own need. We realize, no, I need the Holy Spirit. I'm more broken and weak than maybe I thought I was. Maybe we thought we could change in our own strength and then we realize that's like trying to push water uphill. Sometimes it comes, I think, from discovering what the Bible says the Holy Spirit can do. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit can do things like quench our spiritual thirst, reveal to us the beauty of Jesus, enable us to realize that we're sons and daughters of God, enable us to grasp something of the breadth and the height and the depth of the love of God. I think it's God's Spirit that makes our head understanding of God's love real in our hearts. I think that's part of the Holy Spirit. It takes the words that we read sometimes that stick in our head and puts them on our hearts. I'd like to tell you a little bit of my story uh, in terms of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I got saved at 14, but didn't really know much about the Holy Spirit, really, until I was in my early 30s and started coming to this church. And the very first Sunday, Jane and I came to this church. The kids were little. Jordan was a baby, maybe just a few weeks old. We were meeting in a canteen just over the other side of the school. And uh, I came. I didn't know much about the Holy Spirit, knew a little bit about the Holy Spirit. Uh, We were looking for a church. We, we, We came to this one uh, we had the meeting, it quite liked it, lively kind of songs, good preach. And then the guy at the front said, now we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit will come and fill us. And I sat down in my chair, put my hands in my head. And I started a conversation with God that went something like this. God, I quite like this church and I quite like to come back. But if you're now going to do a whole load of weird Holy Spirit stuff, then my wife won't like it. <laughs> and, uh, and she'll never come back and they'll never give us a chance uh, to be here. And, uh, and, and this wasn't how it was supposed to be. I think if we came back for a little bit, maybe we'd get used to it, and this does seem to be you, God, and it does seem to be good, and I think this is you. This feels like a good group of people, and I know you can do you know, stuff where people praise you. I get that. I know enough about that, but, God, this is not the morning. It's not the time that you really have room. And this is me, just an arrogant, early 30s idiot, right? Hadn't changed much from 14. And I sat there and I put my hands in in my head and I told God all these things. And having given it about five minutes and kind of, well, a few minutes, for as long as I thought I could get away Jane not having a go at me, uh, you know, because it it looked like I was being holy, you know, praying like that. I thought, well, I better now stand up and look at her and she'll say we're going to go and never come back. And I sat there like this and I couldn't move. I couldn't move. I was locked in place. So then I started to tell God, God, you know, I'm a policeman. I did. God, I'm a policeman, and you can't lock a policeman in place like this. This is ridiculous and dangerous. And what if I need to move? Well, God didn't have any truck with that either. And uh, honestly, this is how ridiculous it got. I decided that I would, okay, God, I'm going to move my arm now. I'm going to move my arm just to prove that I can move my arm. No, I can't move my arm. God, I'm going to move my finger, just my little finger. Just a little finger on my right hand, I'm going to move it. Just to prove that I'm not paralyzed. How terrible would that be if I was sitting here paralyzed, God? No, I can't do that either. So after about 10 minutes, because I'm not very... I realized, God, you've locked... Now, this was not God filling me with his Holy Spirit. Just get this. This was God proving to me that he was God and that I was not. And he locked me in place so that I could, and I was probably there 15, 20 minutes. I could not move. And eventually I gave up. Okay, God, I'm just gonna sit here then. I was fuming, really, I was fuming. And eventually, after about 10, 15 minutes, it must have been, I felt myself just move and I could move my arms. And I, I think I did that and stood up and looked at Jane, who kind of went, What on earth is he <laughs> doing? And we stayed, we had coffee, we got in the car. Jane, I, Jane said, What are you doing? I said, Well, I'll tell you a minute. What, what was happening with you? She said, "Well, it was God was doing stuff, and it was good, and uh, but I kept looking at you, wondering why you just sat there." I said, "Well, God locked me in place because I thought if I got up and moved, we'd leave." And anyway, so uh, that was my first experience, really, of this church and being locked in place. But what it did do, it created in me this thing: "Okay, God, there's something here then." And so I, I went away, and over the next couple of weeks. Uh, uh, I read on the Holy Spirit. I read through Acts. I read lots of those verses that I've given to you this morning. And uh, uh, Ian, who led the church here, gave me a little book to read on the Holy Spirit. And I, I read through. And two weeks later, I, I decided, God, if I, I, know you've, I know I've got your Holy Spirit because I've been a Christian since I was 14. I know that. But I've never had this kind of overwhelming kind of being filled, kind of praising you, kind of speaking in tongues, kind of experience that I read about in the pages of my New Testament. Right? I've, never, I've never had that God. And if, and if there's more, then I want that God. If it's not you, I don't want it. But if it's you, then I want more. And so I was on early turn. I was getting up five o'clock in the morning as a policeman and for that week. And I decided, we had three little kids, and I decided, right, when Jane and the kids go to bed, um, I'm just going to ask God. And so Monday night, Jane and the kids went to bed. It's about half past nine. And I'm just walking up and down in my lounge. I'm just walking up and down. God... If, if, if it's true, there's more, and I can be filled with the Holy Spirit, then I want you to... I'm on early, God, and I've been up since 5 o'clock, and this is the only time I've got, and, and it would be really good if you could do it now, because it's like half past 9, 10 o'clock, and this would be a really good time, Lord. And for an hour, I just walked up and down in my lounge, uh, saying to God, please, would you, God, because I'm desperate if it's you. If it's not, then don't worry about it, but I think it is you. So I'm just... Anyway, it got to about half past 10, oh, I'll go to bed. Next night... Walked on down my lounge for an hour. Just walked on down. I didn't know what else to do. I just walked on down. God, would you? God, could you? God, you should? God, are you going to? God, you're not? God, 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 God. Okay. Third night. I don't know who's going to get bored first, me or God. I mean, third night. Nothing. nothing. I hadn't felt anything. Third night. Right, God. Here we are. Back again. Half past nine, 10 o'clock. Kids have gone to bed. I walked on down in my lounge. And
1: then suddenly the love of God hit me.
0: I mean, just hit me. Just The only way I can describe it is like I was standing under a waterfall or under the heaviest power shower you've ever felt as wave after wave of God's love just hit me and 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 hit me. And, hit me. and at one point, I put my hands over my head, not that it was hurting, but because it was such a strong sensation. And in the end, I just ended up on my knees, which seemed appropriate, with my hands over my head, crying my eyes out, because God had just poured his love, and it was the most overwhelming
1: thing I've ever experienced. And that's what God did for me. Did for me. That was my experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So precious. So precious.
0: Has it happened every time? No. Has it happened since? Yeah, in different ways. Has it been quite as intense? I'm not sure. But that's okay. I knew I'd experienced God. I think I, I think I was there for about two and a half hours. And I knew that I'd experienced the love of God poured out into my heart. No secret formula. There was no special words. I didn't have any fancy, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even have a CD with a worship song on. Just walked up and down,
1: believing that God, your word says, and I'm desperate. I'm just going to keep asking until you do. No special words, just real and honest with God in all my stupidity and arrogance. God, in his mercy, poured his Holy Spirit out. Absolutely incredible. Second only to saving me.
0: (laughs) In my book. So there's two things I just want to note. It's repentance and persistence. See, we've already seen at Pentecost this connection between repentance, being filled with the Spirit. Repent and be filled. Repent, turn around, identify areas in your life you want to change. We don't earn the Spirit. It's a gift. But I do think we need to show God. No, we mean business. We want you to, to, to have ownership in our lives. We want a deeper relationship with you. You're the living God. Jesus' teaching about asking, seeking, knocking comes in the parable where this guy's got a late night visitor, doesn't have any food, so he bangs on his neighbor's door, he's demanding bread, and his neighbor says, clear off. But the guy just bangs and shouts louder. And eventually the neighbor gives him what he wants because of his shameless audacity. You know, we don't need to be timid when we approach God. We don't need to have clever words to persuade him. We don't need to have our good deeds to impress him. God is not a reluctant giver. I think he's just looking for those who will come and eager and be desperate and be persistent. Take him at his word like the man in the story. I think that's what I was in my lounge. God gets to choose how and when he fills us, but I think we get to be intentional about asking. Third one is about trusting the giver. There are a few things I think that can stop us from receiving the Holy Spirit. And two of the big ones are firstly a fear of surrendering to God. And secondly, an unbelief that he actually wants to give us his Holy Spirit. Let me just talk about them for a moment. Surrendering. I think for different reasons we can be afraid to truly trust, to truly open ourselves up to God, to truly do what Jane was talking about and saying, actually, God, if there's some things in the box of my life I need to take out and surrender to you, I'm going to do that. And if there's some stuff that I need to put in and take forward, I'm going to do that. I think it's all part of the same thing. We have to relinquish control. We have to surrender. Maybe that's what God was teaching me when he locked me in that chair. No, no, Dale, you need to surrender to my ways, not your ways. There's a remote part of China, that when the Bible translators uh, got there and were trying to translate the Bible, there was no word for the Holy Spirit. And so after a lot of thought and prayer, they decided the best description was resident boss. And so in that area of China, the Trinity is referred to as father, son, and resident boss. I quite like that. The Holy Spirit given to us by Jesus to be our resident boss, to lead us, to be the one we listen to, to be the one that we obey. Jesus described the Spirit as a wind that blows where and when it will. You can't dictate, you can't control, you can't domesticate the Holy Spirit, but you can stick up your sail and catch him when he blows. Sometimes I think we think of receiving the Spirit as us kind of getting more of a force or a power, which maybe we can use for our own ends, but it's not that at all. It's not that we get more of the Holy Spirit so we can use him for what we want. It's actually about letting him have more of us for what he wants. I'm going to say that again because I don't like it. It's not we get more of the Holy Spirit so we can do what what we want, that he can enable us to do more of our will. No, it's about him getting more of us so that he can do more of what he wants through us. The second is expecting. See, I think another stumbling block to us receiving is expectation. Actually believing that God will give us his Holy Spirit. There's an unbelief there. Let's call it what it is. It's an unbelief. You might be sitting here this morning thinking, well, Dale, that's a lovely story for you. God bless you. But something like that will never happen to me. Let me just answer your unbelief by what Jesus says in that passage. Because he says the same thing in six ways. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who, receive, who asks receives. The one who seeks finds to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. This will happen. If you ask, if you trust, if you surrender and expect and maybe wait, it will happen. When our kids were younger, we used to set them out an Easter egg hunt around the house or around the garden. But we did it in such a way that, yeah, they had to look. But they were going to find if they looked. And in one sense, I think God sets us up for a same kind of treasure hunt for the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we're going to need to look. Yeah, we're going to need to desire. We're going to maybe need to get over some obstacles. But actually, he set it up because he wants us to find. And please, don't have one kind of specific encounter or experience in your head. Maybe you've heard of somebody else. Maybe you heard my story. Oh, God, can I receive the Holy Spirit? Like they all receive the Holy Spirit there? No, don't do that. This is God, and he'll meet with you as he chooses to meet with you. We're not seeking an experience. We're seeking to meet with the living God. And how the living God meets with me might be different with how he meets with you. But as long as we're meeting with God, then it's fine. So the Holy Spirit is, I believe, both the gift that the Father has given us on salvation, but he's also the gift. That the Father wants to keep giving us. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Tonight, at time in God's presence, that's all we're going to do. We're just going to worship and ask God to fill us with his Holy Spirit. No other agenda for that time. But I'd like to, ask, I'd like to give opportunity for us to ask him now. So Quince,
1: I wonder whether you could just come back up.